Caleb. And I'm Elise. And you're listening to Happily Scary, a horror podcast for newlyweds and nearly deaths. Elise almost lost it there. I forgot what the name of the podcast was. Yeah, that's for about the second time that you forgot. Yeah, we did a test run earlier just to get levels. And uh, yeah, I forgot it then. And you were like, yeah, I pretty much just like laid back, like, I got this. Who cares? Yeah, this is the... This and then is immediately the, forgot the name. This is the new me. You know, I'm not a perfectionist, not trying to get everything right. We'll see. Yeah, that's not true at all. <laughs> but we are here today to talk about Halloween Kills. Now, previously I had said that we are going to cover Lamb next. Mm-hmm. But we had not yet seen Lamb, and we have now seen it, and we ran into a little bit of a problem with Lamb. You want to tell the folks what we were thinking? I don't know what your problem was, but my problem was that we didn't really even know if this was considered horror or not. Yeah, you have to wait till pretty late in that movie for it to... Ramp up? Yeah. And even then, it feels like after talking with some other friends of ours that have seen it, um, none of us could really make heads or tails of it. And maybe oh, that's, the th- that's a good joke. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, we won't spoil it here. We mm-hmm. might, I don't know, come back to it. Maybe do a mini podcast on it, but it'd be hard to fill up a whole episode with that movie. It's not a traditional horror movie. It's got some kind of creepy, spooky elements, kind of, kind of, it's just more disturbing stuff, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. And also we thought it was v cute because there were lots of cute animals yeah did someone say it was like the babadook meets paddington or something like that no hereditary meets paddington oh okay so that actually feels like a pretty good description of it um well that alone displays how much it's not a a horror movie yeah with a little bit more paddington than hereditary (laughs) yeah so um yeah we're just going to bypass lamb for right now uh, but we both liked it. A mm-hmm. um, little bit more drama, kind of folklore than it is horror. Uh, but we didn't know that because it's been advertised as horror. Um, so, recommended movie. But we are going to be talking about Halloween Kills, which I don't know about you, but it's probably been one of my most anticipated movies of this year. You've been real excited. Yeah, we were supposed to see it last year, but of course, COVID was at its peak then. Uh, or one of its peaks, I should say. Mm-hmm. And uh, they just decided to delay it a year, which was soul-crushing back then. But yeah. I'm glad I finally got to see it. And uh, Do you think it lived up to all your hype? No. Right off the bat, I'll just be honest about it, no. It's been, what, maybe a couple weeks since we saw it in theaters now, I guess? Mm, yeah. And then we just rewatched it today. Mm-hmm. Um, which was an interesting experience. <laughs> yeah, do you wanna do you wanna tell us about that? Yeah, we were both kind of ending our work day and like just finishing up with some busy work, and I was like, oh, I think I'll just put on Halloween Kills since it's on Peacock for free. And then I had a great idea. I said, what are the kids doing these days to watch stuff at the same time to stream and to link up? Because I knew there's a way, but I feel like I'm not in the camp yet. Or anymore, I should say, of the young folk who know how to do that stuff. And yeah, you recommended like a watch party, which I've done on Netflix before. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you told me about Face Share, 
Is that what it's called? <laughs> no. No, it's called FaceTime. <laughs> and then it's called Share Play. Share Play. <laughs> I... <laughs> Speaking of talking about not being one of the kids oh anymore, you sounded like an 80-year-old I never could understand. <laughs> like when people said, like, my twit or... Like, yeah, my face is what face. I would hear. I, I mean, tweeter. <laughs> I could never understand how old people did that. And by old, I just mean like middle-aged. Do you want to tell everybody what your dad calls COVID? Yeah, sometimes he calls it Corvid. And it makes us laugh every time. I know it's not a laughing matter, but just saying just, Corvid. Just getting things wrong to me just, is always funny. Just slightly wrong, too. Like, he has all the right letters in there. <laughs> mm-hmm. He just adds an extra R. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the coronavirus. It's, yeah, it's the R from Corona. Yeah, but it's Corvid. added into the COVID. We laugh about that sometimes. Yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty good. Um, anyways, we were trying to do share play. Which well, I didn't even know was a feature. Apparently, it's brand new. Right. And uh, then we try to download the newest iOS. Yeah, we had to have iOS 15.1. So we realized that none of our uh, devices. devices had them. So we tried to do all our downloading. Realized our internet was slow for some reason. Not up to speed. Yeah. Uh, so then... I guess in the meantime, we just decided we'd just do the old, you know, you ready to hit play? Okay, one, two, three, go. So we did that, and that never works very well. Uh, But we did that for a while, and then the internet kept stopping yours and playing mine. So we'd have to pause and realign. It was really fun. Yeah. Don't you think so? Yeah, it was kind of an insane way to do it. We were instead in the same just, room, but we were just facing different directions. Instead so. of just like waiting to watch it later, no, we, or or just letting one of our devices just get a little further than the other, since we were both using headphones, we just kept stopping and starting and resyncing up. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, we felt a lot like boomers, or at least I did, <laughs> which is. Applicable only in the sense that this movie, I think, has some commentary on boomers. I don't know. It almost seems made for boomers. This is interesting. We'll get into this in a little bit. But I think before we dive into it... Oh, our friend Todd? Is he going to show yeah, up today? I, Yeah, okay. Todd is going to be here. Okay, um, great. And Todd's got a little bit of reading to do today. Um, he reads it? I thought he just made it up. No, he gets it from Letterbox. That's where he gets his summaries. Oh, okay. Um, Todd's been trying to modulate his voice a little bit, so mm-hmm. he's not blasting people out. I really just want him to be himself. We'll let Todd be himself then. And Todd, do you want to give us the synopsis for Halloween Kills? Halloween Kills. Evil dies tonight. The nightmare isn't over as unstoppable killer Michael Myers escapes from Laurie Strode's Trapped to continue his ritual bloodbath. Injured and taken to the hospital, Lori fights through the pain as she inspires residents of Haddonfield, Illinois, to raise up against Myers. <laughs> Taking matters into their own hands, the Strode women and other survivors form a vigilante mob to hunt down Michael and end his reign of terror once and for all. Thank you so much, Todd. Thank you, Todd. It's really helpful. That for, was a longer one. Yeah, it really was. 
Um, Gives them some time to shine. So Halloween Kills is directed by David Gordon Green, who also did the 2018 Halloween. Um, It stars Jamie Lee Curtis as the famous Laurie Strode. Her daughter, Karen Nelson, is played by Judy Greer. Her granddaughter, Allison Nelson, is played by... I should have looked this up ahead of time. Andy Matichak? I'm not sure. And then, of course, you have Nick Castle, who is the original Michael Myers, uh, trading off places as The Shape, slash Michael Myers with James Jude Courtney. And then you have... Let's see, who else is an important character in this? Oh, yeah, you got um, Will Patton as the sheriff, Frank Hawkins. Robert Longstreet as Lonnie Elam, who's been in a lot of stuff that I've enjoyed recently, including Midnight Mass. Mm. Uh, And then, of course, probably one of the most talked about performances is Anthony Michael Hall playing Tommy Doyle. And, of course, Michael McDonald playing Little John, a minor character. (laughs) You guys might remember Michael McDonald as Stuart from Mad TV. I just oh, I just remember Mad TV. I don't. I mean, I know Stuart, but uh, Stuart. I preferred other Mad TV sketches. Ah, that was like one of the the golden age. That and uh, well, now that I'm thinking about other ones, they're like kind of dated. Oh, like... A little stereotypical. Maybe not woke enough. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, (laughs) we'll skip over that. (laughs) And speaking of not woke enough, let's talk about the crowd in this movie. Mm. But first, I guess we should get to our gripes, our likes, and our tropes. Elise, what was your biggest gripe about this movie? Okay, so this is a very confusing movie to me because it feels like it wants to be sort of campy, but it comes across more as cringy and boomery, which is why I said it seems like it's made for boomers. Um, But then it also is strangely really dark in times. So... I don't know. I feel like when a movie is trying to go the campy route, um, it just doesn't feel as heavy and dark and scary. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, I think it's, it feels like more of the, um, it feels like it's trying to play in two different spheres of Halloween, previous Halloween movies, like the kind of goofy, uh, uh, Busta Rhymes, Karate Choppin' Michael Myers mm, kind of campy mm. on one hand, and then like super dark, demented Rob Zombie Halloween remake Yeah, uh, with the violence. And so those things don't always mesh, in your opinion. Because, you know, you brought up um, Lil Stewart, uh, and he and... So he and his partner... And then the other couple that's in the film are like these kind of random scenes of just random people, essentially, that we have like time to have a little backstory on them, you know? Yeah, so there's two, like, I guess, um, townsfolk. I don't know why all of a sudden (laughs) we're talking about World of Warcraft, but there's these two different groups of people that Michael terrorizes. 
and one is an older couple. Um, gosh, I don't even. I don't even think we get their character names. I don't think they have names. Oh yeah, they do, but oh. I don't remember what they are. All right. Um, it's an older couple, and it's the first people that Michael kills in the movie. I'm pretty sure. Um, and this is just a continuation of Halloween 2018. So that left us with Michael Myers trapped in Laurie Strode's basement. She'd been preparing her entire life, essentially, if he ever came to find her, to trap her in the house or trap him in the house, burn it down. But firemen get there and they try to put the fire out and they unleash him, you know, and that's when chaos ensues. And Laurie and Karen and her granddaughter Allison all think Michael's dead. But he's on the loose again. And then he shows up in somebody's house that lives in Haddonfield. And it's this older woman. And she's flying a drone around the house. She's in her pajamas flying mm. a drone around her house. And then her husband comes from downstairs with a sleep apnea mask on. And it was like, your mother borrowed my sleep apnea mask. And now it smells like, you know. Lucky charms uh, or something. Lucky strikes. <laughs> Cigarettes. You could tell. Was, you could tell. Lisa's never smoked a cigarette in her life. I knew it was lucky something. Yeah. That's so it smells remember. like lucky strikes. So it's just this weird, like, we don't know who they are, and it's like, I don't know. It's they're both. The dialogue is very campy and weird, and yeah, and they're and just. Like, it's a weird scenario where they have two <laughs> random props. It seems. Yeah. And then. The woman flies the drone into a dark room, and then it comes, like, it gets thrown out. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what's going on? They go in there, and they turn on the light, and Michael Myers is standing in their kitchen. Or not their kitchen, their bathroom for some reason. He smashes the light, and they're like, oh, it's a guy with a monster mask in there. Call the cops. Call the cops. And then, of course, he comes out and kills them. So it's this really yeah. gruesome scene that lingers, and you just, I mean... That's that's what I'm I'm saying, like, their conversation and all the, everything you're saying, the props and the dialogue and the setup is, like, weird, dumb, silly. And then there's, like, a two-minute-long shot of the woman, like, slowly dying from the light bulb being pushed into her neck. Yeah, fluorescent and, light bulb has been broken by yeah. Michael and shoved into her neck. And, and then she's... Hear, we talked about it this time. You can hear, like, the blood filling up the tube. It's yeah. It's disgusting. Yeah. But then she's, like, still alive, you know, slanted over, just watching as Michael puts, like, 35 knives into her husband's back as he, like, drapes him over the counter. Like, and that felt really dark in a very weird way. I don't know. I feel like I... I kind of wanted to ask you this, like, if you feel like you have a line where you're like, oh, it's not fun anymore. It's just like, ugh. Do you ever have that line at all? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I think, you know, we've recently been watching some of the Saw movies because I've just avoided them my whole life. And some of that stuff just feels like it's, I mean, it's just just gross to me. Like, Mm -hmm. it just wants to exploit the grossest way you can torture a human body without Mm -hmm. having any sort of... I just don't buy into the argument that these are like the deepest, you know, horror movies. But that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, it's hard to it's hard to say with Michael because in the first movie, I think what works so well. I'm talking about 1978's Halloween. What works so well about Michael is that he is pure evil. 
Like that's the only explanation for why he first killed his sister when he was six years old, why he's been silent in, a, in a, an asylum ever since then, why when he breaks out, he just goes on another murdering spree and never saying anything. He never runs. He just walks at people menacingly. I mean, he just kills remorselessly. I mean, he just does all this like really ma digs up a grave you know, uh, just nails somebody essentially to the side of a wall. I mean, just all like really, when you think about it, just mm -hmm. extremely messed up stuff. And so you see some of that in this one too, like where they find um, the sheriff outside of Lori's house and Michael's ripped this dude's head off, taken everything out of it and, and put a flashlight in it like it's a jack-o'-lantern. So it's like, you get those things sometimes in the Halloween mm -hmm. movies where it's not just... Um, a serial killer stabbing people, which is as gruesome as can be, but it's him doing this really almost like creative, imaginative, disgusting. I mean, I mean, I don't mean that in like a positive way, but like he's like got almost like a sense of humor about it, even though he seems like a blank slate of a personality. So I don't know. Maybe it's it's just hard to say. I mean. It's hard to watch him take a guy that's already dead slash dying and then just put knife after knife into his back. Like, it's brutal. And I, I think that's part of the point that this movie's trying to underscore is that you can't rationalize Michael. He's just evil. He's, he's inexplicable evil. I think that's how the character works best when you try not to psychoanalyze him and just... He's just an inexplicable force of evil and death. And that's what makes him so terrifying and menacing. So one question that I have, and I just may not be remembering correctly because we've seen a lot of these and I don't know <laughs> if I'm right, but I was thinking in the previous movies that it was more of a, almost like a drive-by shooting scenario where he would like come into someone's house randomly, slit their throat, walk out. It's just it's just an in and out thing. Yeah. And this felt like you said like lingering and drawn out and so like gruesome and like torturous. Yeah. If that's a word. No. Uh, and so I didn't know if maybe um, I'm just misremembering the other movies. Well, that's the complicated thing about Halloween too. Like I always kind of around this time of year share online like the Wikipedia diagram of the Halloween chronology mm. because it's crazy because you have the first one and then the second movie is a direct continuation. But then Halloween three is like its own story. Like they were going to make like Halloween into sort of like a generic horror anthology series, but everybody loved Michael so much that they brought him back in Halloween four. And then that carries out through Halloween six, its own story. But then as that goes on, he gets sillier and the story gets like, oh, where there's this cult that's summoning demons into Michael. And so then they, it gets so ridiculous. It jumps the shark that they kind of reboot it with Halloween H2O, which was 20 years later. And they just start over with a different continuity. And then a few years later, they start over by rebooting it with Rob Zombie. And then they've rebooted it again with this Halloween 2018, which is the only you know, canonical is what they say, mm. sequel to Halloween movies. And so in each one of those different like, timelines, how he kills, what motivates him, 
if he's supernatural or just deranged, all of that stuff gets like remythologized mm-hmm. in a different way. So, I mean, it just depends on what movie you're watching. So there's, there is like, it's like, you know, watching a Batman movie. It's like, there's no one, you know, there's the Adam West stuff and then there's Ben Affleck, you know, mm-hmm. it's just like, these are two totally different representations of character. It's the same with Michael. There's mm-hmm. just not really a consistent um, Halloween Michael Myers. Yeah, that's satisfactory. I did want to go back to a question that you raised, though. You okay. s- so, I mean, yeah, so it, it feels, this movie feels weird and campy and makes strange character choices, but it's also really dark. But then you said something about it feeling like like made for boomers, mm-hmm. or what did you mean by that? I'm curious, because I, I, I think I know what you mean, but I may have a different take from that, so I wanted to tease that out. I really only just mean that there are a lot of boomers in the movie who act very boomerish and oh and so i personally don't love to watch that i'm not you know what i mean yeah no i think that was i'll wait till my like section but i think that was an intentional thing mm-hmm. at least that's how i read the movie but like that kind of like macho we're going to, you know, we're going to rally together as a town and do something about it. The kind of redneck Americana thing. I think that was like an intentional choice that they were making to make some kind of social and cultural and political commentary. Mm-hmm. But I'll, we'll get to that, I guess, later. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's just too much boomer energy for me. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I'm not trying to say it wasn't intentional. I'm just saying... You're trying to be in that genre, but then you're also trying to be really dark, and it's just like a weird combo for yeah. me. That's it. Well, I think my gripes are kind of a, a, a dual-prong thing. I think there's some weird acting choices in this movie, and maybe that kind of ties into what you're feeling about it. Some of the characters, the decisions they made seem kind of insane but mm-hmm. I, I even think some of the just line readings that we get from some people or the casting choices for some of the characters mm-hmm. just felt strange or off to me um you know when you watch a movie you try to like get lost in the experience and not be thinking you know oh this is when you see tommy doyle you want to think in your brain oh this is that kid that was in the first movie the like the little boy that laurie was defending you don't want to say Oh, that's Anthony Michael Hall. And then immediately start thinking about the Midnight nerd. Midnight Mass. Midnight Mass. Yeah. Oh, no, that's the other guy. Oh. No, I'm talking about the, um, I'm talking about the, the nerd from The Breakfast Club. Oh. That, that's Anthony Michael Hall that I'm talking about. Oh, sorry. No, you're thinking of, um, what's his name? Robert Longstreet that plays Lonnie. Okay. So names, names are hard for yeah, me. Yeah, I know. There's a lot of characters in this movie. And that maybe that's probably what dilutes some of it too and makes it problematic is that they try to put some storylines in there. Like one of the interesting things they do that I kind of like is that they show a little bit more of what happened in the original Halloween in 1978. Like they have a flashback and people have talked about this. Uh, they bring back Donald Pleasance, um, Dr. Loomis character, who is like a crucial part of the series for the first six movies. Um, Michael's doctor. And I don't know what they did here. If it was like, so- I guess it was somebody 
mimicking his voice and they did like a deep fake of Donald Pleasance's face onto an actor, but it looked real to me. And in the theater, I thought it looked really good and I thought it looked pretty good on the small screen when I rewatched it too. Um, so there was some kind of cool stuff like the flashback sequences felt like some of the shots were filmed in kind of a 1970s style. So that felt cool. Um, but the introduction of this Lonnie, like this little kid that was kind of supposed to be in the events of the very first Halloween movie, we never saw that, but then he grows up to be this sort of traumatized character that we see. The Robert Longstreet guy. See, that's the thing is that all of these kids are now boomers. And so it's like just full of boomers. Yeah. And so they add characters that weren't in the original story to fill it out more. But it just doesn't necessarily feel like it fits always or it's Mm -hmm. essential. So um, some some of those choices were strange. But also there was stuff that felt like, I don't know if it was supposed to seem dramatic or clever but like when they're telling karen that michael's still alive which is laurie's daughter then it cuts to their granddaughter reacting to being told so you see karen being told and then you see allison's reaction and it was like michael myers is alive and it's this really cartoony what (laughs) like it just felt so i mean i remember saying to you i think both times we watched it like that felt so weird. Yeah, it felt like a really campy choice, but mm. everything around that felt super serious and like sincere and earnest. Yeah, I just think you ought to be able to tell which direction a movie's trying to go. So it didn't feel satirical. It didn't feel like it was supposed to be campy. It didn't feel like it was supposed to have a big sense of humor. Mm. But, and then it was really dark. So it was, yeah, totally just kind of a strange movie. I mm-hmm. agree with you. Yeah. But I guess it's hard to think of particular instances because there's so many little tiny ones. But it just felt like some of the stuff they said, oh, the chant, the evil dies tonight, that just felt really lame to me. Well, at the beginning, you know, he says, uh, love lives today when he puts the little, he puts his coin in the little jar for uh, sick kids or whatever. Oh, I didn't catch that. And he puts it in, he says, love lives today, and then... One lady says, and evil dies tonight. And I was like, oh, okay, here we go. Oh, I didn't even catch that. Yeah. But even that that sort of chant, that evil dies tonight, mm-hmm. felt, I don't know. I mean, I think I know what they were going for with sort of the mob mentality, the mantra that crazed people say, but it just it felt silly to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there was a lot of this movie that just felt uneven and silly. Yeah. But that said, I really liked a whole lot about this movie. But I want you to tell me what you liked about it first before I... I get to go first. Yeah, please okay. go first before I start ranting. Do you have a lot? I, oh, well, I just have knows? one. Go for it. Uh, I liked the part where the firefighter took his hose and sprayed Michael as he came towards him. Oh, yeah. I found that to be very effective. <laughs> That felt like a, that also, that was like, that seemed like a comical choice. Mm -hmm. Again, like it was a silly thing, Mm -hmm. but they played it so straight that you didn't know. It's like, is that, are we supposed to laugh at that? Or is it like, I guess the idea is that that's just what he had in his hand. Yeah. And so you just on instinct 
just sprayed it. But I mean, that scene is followed by some of the most gruesome Kills. killings. Yeah. And so you're <laughs> it just feels like you don't know what to make of what you're seeing all the time. Yeah. I feel like I've heard that if you get sprayed by a water hose, like it's really powerful. Here's the thing though. Yeah, I would think that, but in the movie, you can tell the water pressure is not high. So it just looks <laughs> like it would he's... have killed the old man in the Michael <laughs> yeah, Myers Yeah, probably. <laughs> so, I mean, cuz I did think about that like maybe he's thinking the pressure of it would knock him back or something, but it was like a shower at best. So. Yeah. I that, liked it because it made me laugh. I That's I have seen I people it. criticize that scene because you got like eleven firefighters and Michael tears through them all yeah. like tissue paper. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm willing to let stuff like that go. But so that was your one like. Was yeah. there anything like more broadly <laughs> that you liked about it? Um, I mean, I was originally going to say that I liked that it was kind of scary, but then I feel like it kind of crossed the line for me. To where I was like, ah, it's just kind of too dark almost in certain places. Okay. And not cohesive with the rest of the film. Yeah. So then I was like, eh, I retract. I mean, I redact. Yeah. Retract. I retract. Yeah. You can redact or retract. Whichever you, you know. Hey, you retracted your redaction and you're redacting your retraction. I need to call the police. (laughs) Uh, We also have Dr. Seuss on the podcast today. We also have a firefighter who can just spray me with a hose. <laughs> that might fix it. Uh, so anyways, so yeah, I just decided to change my like to the firefighter. Okay. What about you and your rant? Well, I really do think they were doing something interesting with the sort of mob mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this movie was filmed a few years ago. So it's before some of the more recent... Now, I saw somebody talk about like, oh, this is like a movie about the Capitol Hill riots. No, it is not because it was filmed long before that. So I think it shows that like if people just run off like unprepared with sort of a with fear as their driving motivation and no organization, no sort of like strategy and just sort of blind anger and rage trying to hunt something down that they're afraid of they'll end up hurting each other or destroying their own lives before they'll actually remove the threat and so i feel like it's been kind of a good parallel to some of the recent things we've experienced in the united states covid being one of them of something that's been like okay here is a clear threat to everybody that doesn't care about color, race, creed, age, um, uh, you know, tax bracket, anything. It doesn't discriminate in any way against people. Um, but we've so politicized it. Um, and we've used that to kind of the fear of that or the fear of what this will strip away from me, my freedoms being stripped away, that people have just kind of rallied in this really unhelpful way, not to help one another, but to like, we're just going to stop this thing. And, you know, that's caused all sorts of chaos and violence and um, people have not been collaborative or cooperative. And so I think one of the things the movie is trying to say about Michael 
is that the it's not just him killing it's the fear the kind of the the terror that he elicits in us that makes us be our worst selves and be our own worst enemies um that's the kind of sinister nature of his evil is that it like you know it's he's like a <laughs> this is such a random thought but he's like a reverse ted lasso do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, maybe. Okay, so Ted Lasso is a guy that shows up in dysfunction and through sheer force of will and kindness and patience just like makes everybody's life better around him. But Michael's the exact opposite. He shows up and like everything falls to pieces. And so I think it's also capitalizing on sort of like the kind of Facebook boomer mob mentality. It's this is I shouldn't make it just a generational thing. You know, it's it's more than just, you know, sort of like middle aged to older. Well, I, I say boomer because they are <laughs> It's a boomers. lifestyle, not an age group. Yeah. yeah. But I mean they sure. like are, so that's uh, I mean I'm just I'm just giving it the label that it is. Um but that kind of um yeah, that kind of bravado, like this just ain't ha- this ain't happening in my town, kind of thing. It just feels like that's a distinctive generational kind of. Um, so my question with that, that I I asked you earlier, um, because I I thought that maybe you were saying the mob mentality is just all around bad, and then I kind of was thinking, well, if Michael, I mean, he's obviously making other kills along his way, but he has kind of one objective, one person he wants to get to. And it could be easier for the town to just say like, bye, you know, you deal with this. I'm not, I'm not sticking around this town. But I mean, so how do you, don't you see that there is some good in having a group of people that all stand up and say, like, we're going to... Oh, totally. Like, a grassroots sort of response to Michael. I remember talking to um, a friend about... As actually, um, I think we've mentioned him before, Blake Collier, who writes for Film Inquiry and Mockingbird and, and with me at Grindhouse Theology. I think he was interested in this movie because the... the um, the trailer made it seem like this is going to be the town versus Michael. That's the, maybe the sort of the first time we've ever seen Haddonfield collectively come together to respond to Michael. So that was an interesting angle. And I just continue to think that is an interesting angle, but they make it, they made it look like that might be a successful venture or this is going to be like, you know, an unstoppable force meets an immovable object. Like these two Titans are clashing the town versus Michael. But then you watch the movie and these people are so disorganized. They're, you know, the, pe- the half the people that start this like militia group are these, you know, these drunk, you know, Facebook uncles that are stumbling out of this bar with baseball bats and be like, we're going to we're gonna mess this dude up. And then Tommy Doyle, played by Anthony Michael Hall goes to a gas station and just rounds up a bunch of guys that he finds. He was like, you see this guy, you kill him. You know, it's just like, it's, it's this. And if you don't want to join the fight, then go home. Yeah. Get out of the way. You know, it's like this crazed sort of vigilante, good guy with a gun myth. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's, that's an interesting commentary. And as far as I think 
that's how a lot of people feel like, you know, come and take it mentality. And that never works out the way that people think it is. And so it's not that I was opposed to the idea of the town organizing, but there's no communication. They like, you know, they, they turn on, um, they turn on the law enforcement and the sheriff's their own town, which that's a whole nother debate, (laughs) but like they, they don't put any sort of trust in any bureaucracy, which again is this understandable, sympathetic position to take. But then the way they go about it is just as ineffective and disorganized as they're accusing, you know, the people that are supposed to be protecting them of being. So they turn into what they think, you know, these well, other people keep are. Keep in mind that they were just hanging out, sitting in the bar when they started seeing about the new killings happening. And then it was just kind of like, oh, we just got to go get this guy. I mean, they didn't have, they, they didn't have like months and months of. Oh, of course. But let's plan this out and let's strategize. So, yeah, I get it. But then they do hook up with like people, at the hospital, people in um, uh, government. And instead of like working together, like how do we coordinate to stop? They all just have their own plan. Mm-hmm. And this is um, this is heightened by the fact that they say that there are two surviving members of the bus crash from Halloween 2018, where Michael was in some sort of prison transfer. It's Michael and another unnamed, I don't know, prisoner or, or um, patient. I, I'm really not sure. The, He's an asylum patient, right? Yeah. I'm not sure the, the nomenclature there. But the point is, they show the one guy... Um, you see his face on the TV as one of the escaped people. And then it kind of like obscures Michael's face because that'd be no fun if we saw the human Michael's face. Um, but they don't know which is which because they're unnamed on the TV show um, or on the news program that they're watching. So they see that other escaped person and they think, oh, that's Michael. And so they start chasing this this person that's got cognitive impairments or, mm-hmm. uh, or, or, or some sort of problems that he needs to be institutionalized and they hunt him down. It's like they hunt down somebody with a disability, mm-hmm. like a raving pack of lunatics. Mm-hmm. And even when Karen and Lori see that's who at the hospital, that's who they're trying to track down. And he shows up at the hospital because he's injured and he needs help. And then this whole crowd thinks it's Michael. So they turn on him. And then Lori and Karen are like, no, it's I am, it's I am. But they they like chase after him. And he ends up jumping out of a window and killing himself to get away. And then, of course, somebody in the in the crowd says, you know, he's turn- Michael's turning us into the monsters. And that's, I think, a big point of the movie is that because they are letting their fear and rage drive them... Um, then Michael's winning because um, they're starting to slaughter innocent people now. They're no different than he is. And so I think that's an interesting twist to take on the Halloween story that fits our current historical moment. How properly that's executed, you know, I've heard complaints about that, whether or not it's totally successful. You know, that's a different story. But that's what I really did like about the movie i think is that it tried to make that point and in the end spoiler alert um you know michael they finally descend on michael 
this whole town does. And they start shooting him and beating him. But then it cuts to like this, you know, voiceover of Lori where she talks about like, you know, it's he'll never really go away because he's so infected us with fear that like he'll only get stronger and more powerful because what he's already done to us. And then after Michael's beaten beyond any human recognition, he like miraculously gets up, puts his mask back on and grabs a knife and then kills all these like 12 people that are assaulting him, including Tommy Doyle. Um, and so, and then of course he, he finds Karen, um, a block over in a house and kills her. She's the last kill of the movie. And then you just see him standing there breathing ominously like, you know, okay, so this is setting us up for Halloween ends. Does he end in his sister's room again? Oh yeah. That's another, that's another subplot of the movie where it's like, it's not about Lori. That's what they try to say in this movie. It's not about Lori. It's about Michael has some sort of antipathy for Haddonfield. Like he would go into his sister's bedroom as a child, look out the window because he would see a view of the city. And it was like, so there's well, something about him just hating humanity. It's well, not at even. At the end, though, they said, I mean, I don't know if this was just stupid, but they said, oh, maybe he wasn't looking at the city. He was looking at his own reflection. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that, too. So I didn't know if the point was that he hated himself. I mean, that seems a little uh, yeah. giving too much. Or he loved himself, like that he was narcissistic i mean who knows? there's plenty of interpretations to be yeah. had about that um interpretations but to be had in the field i <laughs> oh man i'm trying to think of one now i feel like michael in uh the first episode of the office where they're making <laughs> oh, like yeah. flan and yeah and custard jokes and he and he goes i'm trying to think of one he says uh Pudding, pudding. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> me trying to match your pun game. Yeah. Um, but I like the fact that Michael, part of what he does to people is he so psychologically and like corporately terrorizes them that they turn into monsters themselves. I think that's a cool angle. And I like that they make him evil incarnate in a way. Like he's... There is no explanation for why he cannot die. I like that. I mean, there's they don't try to get religious with it. They don't try to get mystical. They don't try to get, you know, anything. They just He just cannot be killed. He just seems monstrous in that way. And I think that's what makes him so terrifying is how little you actually know about who Michael is and why he does what he does and why he wants to kill and how he can't be stopped. I think that's the most fascinating thing about the Halloween movies. And that's why I actually prefer this this franchise out of all the slashers out there. You know what drove me crazy about the ending? What? Was that they were all gathered around him and they had like kicked him and pushed him and all that stuff. And so he was face down on the ground. And then they just were like, okay, like he's good. They didn't bring handcuffs. They didn't bring rope. (laughs) They didn't like, nobody like sat on top of his back to make sure he didn't get up. Like they just... They just stopped. I'm perpetually shocked that in all of these movies, the first thing that they don't do is just shoot that person in the skull like five times. Mm. 
I feel like that's the one theory that's and not then you been like tested rack with Michael. Them, rack them. You wrap them with chains. Yeah. And you like put a bunch of locks on the chains. And then you like throw them in the river. And then you pull them out of the river. And you put them in the fire. I mean, there's just a lot of options. I put them in the fire first and then put them in the river. Because if he's waterlogged, he might not burn as well. Well, I hadn't thought it all the way through. I'm just saying. Just like the mob. You would have been a victim number 13 in that mob. I'm just saying there's so many options and you just go through them all to really make sure. Well, I would just try shooting him in the head. I'd be like, nobody ever shoots him in the head. Uh, maybe. Mm, yeah, maybe not. But I mean, the least they can do is wrap him up in something so he can be shipped back. To his institution, wherever he was before. Because he was fine. He was doing fine in there. Yeah. He was locked in there for a while. Crazy. So we just need to get him back in there. Well, maybe he'll go back next time. I guess we'll have to wait for Halloween ends next year to find out. Yeah, we'll see. All right. Were there any tropes in this movie that really stuck out to you? Yeah. I have two. One is the recurring cheesy dialogue um so we had a lot of like michael's still out there and we're gonna kill him and i was just like okay um so i had that and then we had the classic person in the hospital who hears crazy news and then they rip the IV out of their hand and they stand (laughs) up and they say let me go that's a good one somebody tries to push him back down so and you're referring to Lori. Lori strode yeah who we haven't mentioned this but was so infrequently in this movie yeah i was majorly bummed um she i mean you can you you can definitely tell that this is a middle chapter to their little trilogy but she's hardly in this at all and when you see her she's she's literally only ever in that hospital room now that i'm thinking about it Mm -hmm. when they finally like when it well she's driving to the hospital first technically but that's even the tail end of halloween 2018 yeah so um, but yeah, that's a good one. The sort of ripping out the, yeah. Yeah. And the, you're not well, you just been stabbed. Yeah. And pushing her back down. I'm fine. Yeah. So I just really love that. What about yours? We kind of touched on this with my gripes, but the tropes that I just couldn't believe is the whole time they were talking about how good it is to be united. Like if we all come together and they split up literally every chance they had in this movie. And so it was a movie about coming together, but everybody splitting up. I mean, even in the flashbacks where it's like, you know, Michael's on the loose and all these cops are after him. They're like, let's break into the smallest possible mm-hmm. units to go find him. Yeah. Or, um, and we, we talked about that first couple, the older couple. And then there was the, the gay John couple. John and Little John. Yeah, the gay couple in the movie, Big John and Little John. And they live in the Myers house now. And so Michael comes back home because he always comes back home to his house after he goes out and kills. They make a point of that in this movie too. And then at one point, it's clear that Michael's broken into their house. And so what they do is this couple splits up. Mm -hmm. They each take a little, little knife and go search for Michael by themselves. Big knife, little knife. Yeah. For Big John, Little John. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so, you know, oh, I'm just thinking about it. 
Little John had the big knife and Big John had the little knife. Makes sense. Oh. Big John's got more mass. But what's interesting also is that Big John was actually the little John. But he was bigger in wideness. Oh, I didn't think about I just think Michael McDonald <laughs> is so freakishly tall. Yeah. He's yeah. like six foot five. But he's skinny, so he's little John. Yeah. Anyways. How so, can I get those two straight and no other names? I because it's such a cartoony ever. name for those characters. Yeah. But anyways, so they split up, and then um, yeah, it, it, everybody just splits up in this movie, and that's of course how they always meet their end. So classic trope. I guess it feels like there couldn't be a movie if people didn't split up, but that always just drives me crazy. Normally, I'm all about tropes because well, I think they're the so end, much fun. But Allison and the guy. Whose name I don't know, because of course I don't. Anyways. Her boyfriend? Yeah, when they're like, just the two of them hunting Michael down. They Even also they split, split up, up in, in the and house. And they should know better yeah. out of anybody else. And of course, her boyfriend gets killed. First, and then yeah. she's by herself. Yeah. I mean, it's just, nobody would do that. No. Stupid. But I guess it's a hallmark of the genre, of the stupid choices to it's split up. It's not a hallmark up. movie. <sighs> Brutal. okay that brings us to our next segment which is scaredy cats elise did we have any animals in this movie i only recall one dog and he was dead yeah it was an unnamed dog in a flashback sequence where i can't remember i feel like there's another movie where they kind of imply that Michael eats dogs what? to survive. I don't remember that. Yeah, I can't remember which one it's in. But it's like, he that's how he lives. Like, oh. he, when he goes back to his home and he doesn't have food, he'll just, like, find stray animals and, like, kill them and eat them. That wow. happens in another Halloween movie. I know I should know that off the top of my hand. Yeah, I do if I'm not such, remember If I'm that. such a fan or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you do sound like one. I know. I am a big fan of the genre, yeah. but there's 12 of these movies now. So not the genre, the franchise, but... There's so many of them that they blend together for me. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So I think that was the only animal in this movie, and he was yeah, already I, dead. I don't remember any other ones. So we are at like a hundred cat kill count just because of Midnight Mass, mm-hmm. um, and then we've had a few dogs. I think most of the things have had dogs in them, but they don't play a very big part. Yeah. So brutal. I don't know why we came up with this segment. I thought it'd be fun maybe to talk about animals, but. <laughs> Horror is so unkind to cats and dogs. Well, I think it's it's sort of to honor them, to remember them. Ah. You know, we want to give them their time in the sun. Is it to show how much we really love and depend on animals? Is that our heart breaks whenever they're killed by a Freddy Krueger or a Freddy Krueger-like being? You know, we just, we cherish human life just so much. That it's just like... But not as much as animals. <laughs> well, I'm just saying we give we give so much care and concern for human life. And what about the animals? We got to make sure they're included. Yeah, I guess so. Equal representation in movies. That's exactly right. And it just has to do with animals. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I guess that brings me to my next question, which is, what did you give this movie... On Letterbox, What was your star rating for it? Are we reading our reviews? Yeah, read well? your review too. Okay. I gave Halloween Kills two stars. And my review was, 
The townspeople kicked Michael twice and really thought they did something. Mm. And that has received two likes so far. Oh. Still counting. That's not bad. Yeah, could be worse. So I went the other direction with it. I gave it three and a half stars and a heart. Oh, what does a heart mean to you? Heart means it's a movie that like maybe. So for instance, I might give a movie two and a half stars because I don't think it's well made, but I like it still. Like it's, it's a movie I'd watch again or like I, there's something about it I care about. And so a heart means to me, it's like, there's something about this, even if it's not great, that sticks out to me. And so I kind of feel that way about most Halloween movies. Like, for instance, Halloween 2018 was the first movie that you and I ever saw together as a couple. And it was like our second date or something like that. And so it was such a fun day for us to hang out. Such a, um, like such a memorable event to go see halloween for you know which is like a a franchise i love it's a genre of movie we both love it was in a rinky-dink theater in the town we both grew up in so that's like always going to hold a special place in my heart even though that's not the greatest movie and so i kind of like i just think i'll always like these movies because i'll associate them with you Aww, that's so sweet (laughs) When I think of my beautiful wife, whom I love, you think of a evil murderer who stabs people in the throat. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's so cute. Well, when I think of these particular few movies, I think of you know how much fun we have together. With we them. also had a good crowd when we saw that one in 2018, but this past time we had a lot of of silence, really. Yeah. But that, yeah, the man, the original. We'll have to talk. We'll have to go back and talk about that one because that was such a fun movie theater experience. It's pre-COVID. We're all packed tightly in this theater, and people were going crazy. They were talking back to the movie, and that's like, I mean, goodness gracious, that's the kind of movie you want to hear people respond in. Mm-hmm. They're laughing. They're screaming. It was great. Um, I think I believe I asked you if you wanted to do that movie first before doing this one. And you said no. Yeah, I think it's because the last time you and I watched it, which was like a year ago, I just felt like like we'd seen it too recently. So Uh, I just didn't feel like you were super interested. But even though it's my, it's it's the movie that makes me think of you the most. But whatever, whatever. I'm really glad that you think of me while watching Michael murder people. (laughs) It's really, really sweet. So three and a half stars with a heart. Mm Mm-hmm. And my review is, this would have seemed unrealistic in 2019. Are you telling me that this small town can't band together with their public and private resources with any semblance or sense or efficacy to overcome this singular deadly threat? But then COVID-19 struck the United States, and I saw that Americans are altogether incapable and functionally opposed to organizing for the public good. And that's what this is with all its flaws and what it captures rather well. Terrifying. And then I put P.S. That Dr. Loomis cameo took my breath away. I want you guys to just take a moment to hear the difference <laughs> in our now, reviews. Now, normally I'm just pretty silly with yeah. movie reviews. But if it's a movie I like and think about more often, mm-hmm. you know, so. Yeah. But in the end, I really did like this movie. Um, 
even seeing it today, I saw all those same flaws and maybe mm-hmm. a few new ones, but like, I th- just think there's something interesting that it's doing. And so I wish I could delve into that more. I think rewatching it today made me realize how weird and out of place some of those scenes or characters or dialogue, like it just seemed like it got a little worse for me. Yeah. This time around. That's fair. Well, do you have any other concluding thoughts about the movie? What's the next one called? The last one, allegedly the final Halloween movie. We'll see if that's true. Is Halloween ends. It'll be the 13th movie. Oh, okay. And, you know, I guess John Carpenter, who co-wrote and produced with his then-girlfriend, Deborah Hill, the original Halloween. I think he's still signing on to produce this next one and then supposed to be over with. Okay. Of course, we'll see about that, but it probably will be a few years before we see another one. But super excited about it. And, uh, you know, honestly, even if it's not great, I love this franchise so much. And I just enjoy watching even the worst ones because it's just, they're fun, man. Mm-hmm. Part of why I love this genre so much is because they're campy and stupid and crazy and just fun to talk about. Yeah. Well, I think that's all we have for tonight, which is October 28th, I believe, just three days away from Halloween. We hope all you boils and ghouls out there oh, no. have a fun and safe and happy Halloween. Insert maniacal laughter right here. Oh, okay. Elise, do you have anything you want to tell the people before we go? On Halloween, we hope that you live happily, scary after. There you have it, folks. We'll see you next time.